music, news, interviews, live events, and more. Welcome to the Hivecast with Matt Pinfield. Hey, it's Matt Pinfield, and it's the Hivecast. And once again, if you want to reach out to me on Twitter, you can do it at, at Matt Pinfield, of course, and also check out at MTV Hive because this is the Hivecast. And uh, we're up on iTunes, we're up on SoundCloud, as you know. And I'm really happy to have up today Matt and Kim. It's great to see you. Last time I saw you, we were like under, weren't we under, like in a parking garage at South by Southwest, right? Was yeah, like a parking garage that I thought was going to crumble and crash. Do you remember as everyone's jumping yeah, on the were, top floor of the parking garage? Because yeah, the top floor was like, it was not only like uh, a place for an audience, but there was a stage set up up there. Yeah, so we like did the a shins sh- were playing and everybody imaginable. Yeah, know? it was the MTV Garage, South by Southwest. I forget like, how many years ago. Was that 2011? Really? I'm guessing 11. Yeah, that sounds about right. But yeah. I just remember... Maybe 10 for all I know. I mean, my memory is, you know, I have a great memory for music, but ask me about dates or what I had for dinner last night, that I cannot answer yeah. you. No, you got I the... think I, I couldn't remember, I was writing a check and I was like, is it 2012, 2013, or 2014? Yeah. And I could not figure it out. Do you, yeah, do you know now? It's 13? Nailed it. Like Nailed it. Woo! <laughs> I can't wait to tell you how much I enjoyed Rubber Track Studios that Converse and Fader have over in Williamsburg, Brooklyn. I was over there shooting some stuff for 120 minutes and also over there as a guest on their podcast. You know, Stephen from Fuse and the guys over there do this podcast. But my favorite thing about the studio, besides the fact that it's a great studio, are the life-size cutouts (laughs) of you on the men and women's room doors. It doesn't say men or women. It's just got Matt... Or Kim. That's how you know where to go to the bathroom. But at first, though, when when they said they were going to do that, I'm like, is this a compliment? (laughs) I remember saying to one of the one of the converse execs were there and like showing someone around and said and I was saying, oh, yeah, we're the bathroom doors on this place. And he thought I was using some sort of slang like a saying me- that. A metaphor. Uh, yeah. I was like, metaphor. no, no, literally, we're the bathroom doors on this place. <laughs> yeah. um, you, but no, we really are. If you, hey, you got to take a leak. Go around the corner. <laughs> take a look at it. A life-size stand-up. Even now, though, are, they, are they scaled to size? No, it's Aren't actually, they a little bigger? It's bigger. It's bigger. Yeah. I wish I was that tall. Kim, Kim takes, I mean, people meet her after seeing her stand on her drums on stage and things like that. And always, she gets a lot, I thought you would be bigger. Because yeah. <laughs> she's, she's pint-sized. You know, you know that, that's a famous line from a, a movie, Longest Yard in the '70s. Not the one that Adam Sandler remade, but the original one. They go, "I thought you were bigger." And you know, I've been dealing with that ever since I went on MTV because people always think I'm bigger. Like I look this big muscle. I didn't, you know, I'm a short dude. You know what I mean? It's, it's you, you know what it's like. I don't know if I ran into yeah. you in a dark alley. I'm like, this guy could probably kick my butt. So, speaking <laughs> of fighting, you know, that's one of my one of the things that I've always loved about the two of you are just how creative all your videos are you know it's really an extension of what you do and one of the ones is where which is the one where you guys get in a fist fight and you actually hit matt kim which one was that that was cameras cameras okay yeah, yeah. that was cameras from grand right yeah uh, sidewalks uh, I'll, I'll remind you grand, i'm sorry my space i'm spacing now yeah grand had had um a daylight on yeah it so did. I'm like, I'm getting yeah it right. i got it right yeah. yeah and let's go was on the last one yep. yeah lightning you know I mean? lightning so and we got you know and i'm just remembering the videos for each one but yeah I, that was crazy cameras was amazing you guys shot that video did you get cut open your mouth man? well what happened it was basically i you know we had fight training before this video for those of you who haven't seen it it's us was it like, and MMA, a, uh, like uh, well no it was it was actually it was this company called 8711 which is in LA and you know i was looking at the posters of all the movies they've done which are like 
The Matrix to Born Identity, anything where Keanu Reeves is kicking ass, they really they were part of that. But um, Kim was so excited about this video. She loves ass kicking movies more than almost anyone I know. If I sit next to her in the theater to like Iron Man, I can feel her flinching and throwing little jabs as she's watching the scenes. But we got on camera, and a, a fake punch is supposed to be about a foot away from your face, and then we worked on it how you react to that. But Kim just drove, I mean, you've seen her biceps. Yeah. She drove me right into the nose, and it was the first bloody nose I've ever got in my life, and also the first punch to a face. I'm yeah. just trying and to- And it's your partner? Yeah. I'm just trying to man him up. Yeah. Make him more of a man, you know? <laughs> so Is that what you'll tell, you know, in, in the courtroom? I was just trying to man him up. Yeah. You know, does that work? Out. Make that, <laughs> you know, that was amazing. And of course, Lessons Learned was such a big award-winning video here at MTV. We're, uh, you know, and we're in that building right now. And we're also on the street at Times Square, right? We look out there. Briefly, we got to go over that again, because last time I interviewed you about it was on the radio station I'm, I was on here in New York City. But stripping down that day in the city, what was that experience like for you guys? Cold. Blackout drunk. That's what it felt like. Well, yeah. not without the drinking. Without the drunk. Just nerves. So, yeah. to explain to people that are just, I mean, know your fans know yeah. the video very well. But the, the concept of the video was you were basically do lip singing the song, but you were stripping down in Times Square, walking down the street with a camera shooting you guys. Was it like a one camera shoot that followed you all the way? We just had one camera. Um, so, basically, we, we were trying to think of an a idea. I, I just wanted to shoot a, a video that was one shot. I didn't want to put any cuts in. I was like, what could be intriguing for that? And I thought, well, maybe if we were stripping our clothes off. And I thought, maybe we'll do it in a street, a factory street in Bushwick where no one's around. And then I thought, if we're going to do this, we got to go big or go home on it. So I took me a long time to convince Kim, but she agreed to strip naked in Times Square. And it was February. It was cold. And let me tell you. A and man. Polar bear people look like complete. But like, I mean, that's unbelievable. <laughs> um, and uh, so, no, I feel like now that we've done it, it's like super easy to take our clothes off. I think you just got to do it I mean, once do it in your day. life. Like, then <laughs> you mean in front of like, people? Yeah, yeah. Then it's just kind of like nothing. Like I've I've taken my top off at shows now. Well, because it's been hot. Yeah, but well, not all the way off. Right? Festivals mainly no. Bonnaroo because yeah. that's the hottest festival. Oh, well, you know the funniest thing about Bonnaroo? I was there shooting, and I love there was another TV channel there shooting as well. And the producer said the, mo- the funniest thing ever. This woman, she goes, "The shower I had last night was the best shower of my life, <laughs> even better than the one after childbirth." <laughs> now that says it all. That's it does. That's pretty good. That's pretty good. <laughs> the, the last time we played Bonnaroo, we had to immediately get in the bus and go what straight to Dallas, Texas for a show the next day. So it was basically get off stage, load up the bus, get in, and drive straight. But like you're so sweaty and so covered in dust that we had uh, friends of ours punch holes in water bottles, and I stripped naked outside the bus and just like showered down out there. You got to do it. I mean, there, there's a photo of like, yeah, I'm holding one of them, squeezing this water bottle. And She's in her underwear. Before you go to the next show, yeah. 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 I mean, Bonnaroo's a great festival, and it's well-organized, and it's like its own city, without a question. City within a town, but but it is also the hottest, dustiest. Although, I don't know. What about Randall's Island here in New York? I mean, I know that that, for years, every time I go home and blow my nose after I'm there, get those black snot. Get the black snot. The black snot. Everybody knows the black snot. I don't think we've ever gone to Randall's Island. Well, we did. Was where was Catalpa? Was that on Randall's Island? 
I'm not sure. But we're going back to Bonnaroo again this year. And I, yeah, we're playing in a tent and it's just so packed and so tight and so hot. I just remember seeing people standing in the front basically pass out, but they couldn't even fall down. Their eyes would just like roll into the back of their heads and they'd be stuck standing up in yeah. the middle and then getting handed out by other audience members over the barricade as we're still playing our show. And I'm thinking, should we stop? Like, can we keep playing? But then you'd see the paramedics like wake them up and they yeah. just start jumping around yeah, again. It's amazing. Yeah. Paramedics, what are they, were they throwing water in their face? Or yeah, they'd like, give them like, water yeah. and... Well, I saw cold them carrying cows. one girl, and she came to as they were carrying her, and then she threw her arm up. Started fist pumping. Yeah, it was like, <laughs> it was like that that's how you pass like, out. There you go. It's yeah. amazing. Well, your live shows have always been one of the things. Oh, before we get off the lesson learned subject, okay. really quick, I got to ask. The police, were you almost arrested that day or not, or what happened? I'd say almost might fit in. Yeah, or were we, they just in shock that someone would do no, it? No, well, they, actually, no. Actually, nothing shocking in New York City. That's exactly. But, though, <laughs> no, we had a permit, and- we were in trouble until they realized we had a permit. Even though the permit might not have been fully legitimate, it was, uh, you know, we yeah, we couldn't get a we couldn't get a permit to shoot a music video in Times Square. I mean, this was close, well, not close, but it was post nine eleven, and and yeah. things were much more sensitive. But we were able to get a permit to shoot a web promotional video there, and you know, we didn't give the full story of what we were yeah. doing. You have to describe what you're going to shoot, and it said two tourists walked through Times Square dressed inappropriately. For the weather, there you go. Not a lie, I, well, but nice. it was it's able to get us. Suit, but the they way. didn't even read it; they just look at the yeah, seal. They looked at it that there's, you know, and we had a number because we shot it six times. We shot three times with clothes on, three times without yeah. taking our clothes off. And you see the the second take is the one. The second take of us taking our clothes off is one. But By we the had third. Was it just that you guys were so at that point? You were so cold. You're like, listen, we're looking too frigid. We can't use this third take. Well, I mean, there was there was that, and there was people kept crowding around. The more we did it, so you could already see tourists to, like get that natural look that it was like a surprise. Yeah. But then on the other hand, that second take just had everything came together where it was like, wow, this looks like you know uh, that was the take, and and it was you know more than we could have hoped for. But those guys ended up being really nice afterwards, even though it looks really bad. Well, it, though I had. Finger bruises on my arm the next day. <laughs> From people grabbing you? From the cop grabbing me. Oh, yeah. Uh, but, you know, it's just doing his job. Yeah. Respect right. that. <laughs> hey, Here at least go. you grabbed my arm and yeah. not anywhere else. Yeah. You, know? you don't have anything to grab <laughs> onto down there anyway. <laughs> and you are the one who would know the most, Matt. You two have been together how many years now? Is it going on like nine or how many years? It's around now? 10, 9, right. 10. Yeah. Wow. Maybe a little more. What date is it again? What year? <laughs> Here we go. See, you and I can't remember the dates. You know, unless it's about a record or a band or yeah. something of that nature. Um, I, one of the things that's always been great and people really appreciate are the live shows. And we're speaking about that, like not knowing your height, Kim, because you stand up on that drum stool, which I've always said to myself, I've only, I'm not, I don't think I've ever seen you fall off, but I know you've had after a few drinks well, at least once. It, right? hasn't, it hasn't been like, hasn't been a bad fall. Um, it, it's just one every, of those like- Every now and then I'll step a little, but- just uh, we were just in Australia, and in January I fell down some stairs and I messed up my ankle, and so I spent all of January in like an air cast and going to physical therapy, and then we started touring and it, it was doing better, but I still keep my ankle wrapped when we play. But we were just what three weeks ago in Australia, and I went to jump down, and I just 
stumbled jumped down in, off from, your drum off my drum and that'll and that'll and, uh, and I rolled it the bad ankle and I remember yeah. just like kind of making it through the song being like am I screwed am I screwed but it it swelled up a little bit it's okay but, but then it went down did you but there's ice never it up been, after that or what did you guys do yeah I iced afterwards and to. it was fine I mean your live show people depend on that yeah. you know, <laughs> to see you get up there well you know as two people who theoretically you know we sit Behind two people behind instruments, we spend a lot of time not sitting behind Kim jumping around and dancing, and me likewise more jumping around and flopping around more than dancing. But um, I think you know that's we put a lot as much as we can, as much energy and, and that we can in. So I think when Kim was going to physical therapy to fix her ankle first, the the person's like, "Well, yeah, you'll be able to play drums." She's like. No, you don't understand what I do. Like, think that you're trying to get a... She's going to have you sitting back there doing like a little kind of lolly-da. Yeah. yeah. And even though, yeah. even when I kick, I'm not like this. I'm like stomping down. Yeah. I don't... She doesn't have any concept of dynamics. It's all. It's 100% all on. Well, that's like like hit Moon as hard was, as you can. Keith Moon was like that. Yeah. From the Who. You watch the videos of him. The guy used to play double bass. He would actually switch his lead uh, bass drum from feet. But other drummers would go, how's he doing that? Yeah, that is. Yeah. See, the same thing. It's, it's, like a, it's something that's an extension of you as a drummer. Yeah, which you so I just basically had to be like, say you had a marathon runner. Would you say like, because, well, first I went in and they were like, you need three months off. And I was like, I have three weeks. I need to be better in three weeks. And then like the last week I was in there, she's like, yeah, you, you th- I think you'll be all right. And like, I was like, no, but you just need to know what I do. You know, you should, you should have pulled up a laptop and just <laughs> threw on, you know, like at least one, like one live track. You know what well, I mean? Well, no, I did. I did say to her as, as I was explaining what our live shows like, I'm like, I walk out onto the crowd's hands and I booty dance over them. And she goes, oh, no, you can't do that. Yeah. So we started, like, when we got back on the road, we, us and Passion Pit were doing a tour uh, in February, and we had to get this big uh, well, the, plastic cast. It's it not an air, air cast. Air boot? It's not an air anything. It's just this big plastic Velcroing cast But it thing. was what I had to wear when I hurt myself. So basically we'd still do the booty dance, but I'd strap that on and do the booty dance with that on just to make sure that my ankle didn't get twisted. Yeah. But, Speaking uh, of doing the thing, dances that you do live, the Harlem Shake. I like that clip of you with the box on your head, too, <laughs> uh, Matt. It's it's a classic moment. And I love that you added that to your show. It felt, it felt natural. Was it fun to do? It was. It, it was just kind of like Matt woke up in the morning and he was watching all these Harlem Shake videos. Well, well it wasn't even all because it was really, it was quite early on in that whole. Um, trend meme or whatever and uh and i saw a couple i was like i came out i was like kim we should do something like this and kim's like let's do it today so that night i mean we shot sound check with an empty room this was in troy new york and then uh midway through our set i explained to the audience of about five thousand people this is what's gonna happen and when this beat kicks in i want you to just get weird and nuts and then you know cut it Left stage, cut together, put it up that night. By the next day, it had a million views. And then, you know, a week later, 10 million views. And uh, it was fun. It was fun to take that ride and see it all happen. But it was crazy how it dropped off as well, yeah. which is how those things work. Yeah, it just I mean, then, hit a wall and stuff. Novelty things where, like, people love them. And like you said, a meme or so, you know, they're into it for, for a bit. But it's also cool because you see it so quickly up and down. But also what we like is that 
That's what we get to see every night when we're playing. It's the perspective like, from behind us looking into an audience that's yeah. jumping around. And people ask, how do you get so excited night by night? I'm like, I look at that yeah. every night. It's and that, that gets me excited. off of the energy yeah. of your audience. Yeah. You know, that's what the mo- one thing that people don't understand. That's where, what really drives an artist. But. You know, I was just saying, I mean, Matt, you know about all sorts of punk shows and and hard shows and shows where people get really excited. And I go to, you know, there's plenty of great bands where the most you can get into them physically is like a head nod. You know, that's you really enjoying like a very deep song. But what we do is different from that. And like I grew up playing in punk bands and that's my background of playing music and anything I played in before Matt and Kim and uh and we like to have an audience that's much more active. And, really proactive. And, yeah, and that's yeah. why, you know, I you get surprised because some people don't think it, knowing some of our music, to like that mosh pits will be out there or how much stage diving and crowd surfing. Like, what, and, what are people doing crowd surfing at a Matt and Kim show? I'm like, that's what happens all the time. Yeah, people do. They really become a part of the show. Yeah. And for us, like I said, there's certain bands that write great songs that it's not about jumping around and you know, like tearing your shirt off and stuff like that. And you can enjoy that show. But what we do is a where I say, just don't wear clothes. You're afraid to get dirty. To a show. Yeah, which is like, going, yeah. in, a, in a way, that's like going to a punk show. Or yeah. It's really aggressive or hardcore. Yeah. You know, one of those things that I've always loved that you did too and, and worked in this show was when you did Gary Glitter's Rock and Roll Part 2 and put that <laughs> yeah. into the show, which is awesome because it really is one of those songs that gets the crowd going. We haven't and, done that in a while. Yeah, I, mean, I know you haven't done that. But do you guys know you should? You know what's crazy? Do you know, I'm, I'm sure you probably heard this story, but for those who haven't, you know, Gary Glitter got into trouble. The guy was like, a, he was a institution in England. He could tour all summer in, in the UK and Europe. Every Christmas he, did, he was like a national treasure until he got his computer fixed and they found child pornography. And for those people that were on the fences, whether he was guilty or not, next thing you know, he's getting thrown out of Vietnam, Cambodia, Thailand. So people were like, okay. So in England, they kind of banned it. In a lot of stadiums here, they don't play it anymore like they used to. And it's one of the greatest crowd songs, Rock and Roll Part 2. Well, yeah. though, you know? we stopped playing it when we did a UK tour because we we're like, we can't play this. Well, yeah. we also didn't know when we, so when we started. I mean, yeah. again, by the name, I wouldn't recognize it but for those listening it's the hey and you know we we do all sorts of things that like to give a window to the audience to get involved with the show and so we were like let's put that in that's great um and we ended up switching it to the oh the uh zombie nation um I don't know. Yeah. It's another big stadium yeah. chant song. But like we didn't know yeah. about I think Kevin Gary Glitter's it. history before we started playing yeah. it. I mean, the truth is, though, those are great songs. And it's interesting because Patrick Carney, the Black Keys, said to me, because I heard some Gary Glitter in the new album. We were over at his apartment. He was playing me like the vinyl acetate of El Camino. And he said, yeah, I go, well, you sound like you've been listening to some, some serious glam. T-Rex, Gary Glitter, Bowie, you know, Slade, Mata Hoople. He said, I am. He goes, I know about the Gary Glitter thing. He goes, but honestly, he goes, I'm just taking the music for the merit, and I love it either way, and it's great. And Gary Glitter wasn't the only one who was on those records. It was a guy named Mike Leander who wrote all the music. Gary Glitter just wrote the lyrics. And the real truth that's funny, I don't know if you guys know this story. I'm sure your manager, Kevin Patrick, because he's brilliant and a great music <laughs> historian and a great friend of mine probably told you this. But Rock and Roll Part 2 became a hit as, by an accident here because the A-side was Rock and Roll Part 1. It had actual lyrics on it. And the DJs decided to use it here in America in the beginning of the 70s. It was like 71, 72. 
they decided to use it going up to the top of the hour so they could talk over it and then play it out until the news started at the top of the hour. So it became a hit by accident because they flipped the record over and also people started calling up and asking what that Hey song was. So isn't that crazy? Oh, uh, yeah. In England, yeah. it was the version with the lyrics that went rock and roll and here it was Hey! And that's it. I don't even think I knew the lyrics. No, I yeah. don't. Well, it's funny you bring this up because we did an interview um, in Boston and someone was saying something along the lines like, um, they don't let their kids listen to Chris Brown because, you know, everything that went down. And Matt and I were just talking about it. There's probably so much shit that you don't know goes down with, with your certain artists that people. You love. Yeah. And that I mean, is- that was so public. That's yeah. the thing. But obviously there's some very flawed artists out yeah. there. Uh, but it's weird. I, I consider how much can I remove myself from things like that to just say, you know, as he was, as uh, the fellow from the Black Keys was saying, like, I'm focusing on the music, not the history, but it's sort of making that, how removed can you become? Like, yeah, even I'm a... Way about Michael Jackson. There's some people yeah. who believe it or know it and don't care. And there's others who are like, I can never hear PYT again the same way. Yeah. You know, or things like that. So, you know, it's the same kind of thing. But for me, I, I'm a huge fan of hip hop and a lot of... Uh, all sorts of hip hop. And there's some content, you know, homophobic stuff, themes that come up a lot. And I'm like, I listen past it. And I'm like, you know, that's not I, just because I'm listening doesn't mean I agree with this. But you wonder how far because I remember when I was uh, younger and, and more heavily into punk rock and stuff, having friends who uh, and I'm sure you're familiar with the band Screwdriver, who yeah, is a very racist, racist band, a very racist band. And, and people say, well, I just really like their music. I, I'm not listening to it for the lyrics. I'm like, I don't know. I think that's too far. I just don't yeah. think you can it's you can to listen to the screwdriver. Man. Yeah, it's, that's it's, it's you know it's hundred percent racist. And that's the thing. I'm like I see. So I wonder where that line draws because yeah. I definitely drew the line with screwdriver. I'm like I can't listen to a band. Yeah. With this guy, it doesn't matter if they were the biggest musical geniuses of their time, which they weren't. But if they were, I still wouldn't listen to them. But do I still think it's okay to listen to band? You know that are like homophobic and things like that you know i don't know like where where's the line there i'm yeah, not sure but i mean i understand that absolutely so getting with the back to the gary glitter thing you know there was that song it's interesting because some places are starting to play it again in stadiums over here really I think a couple of them are but you know that definitely that destroyed his career you know over overseas and you know understandably people yeah. were very upset as they should be but um I think what Patrick Carney was, what he was getting at was just, I love the sound of the records and the music. And I guess one way to look at it with Gary Glitter is that he wasn't writing the music. That was this guy named Mike Leander, and there was a whole band playing that, and there was a style and a sound to the records. And Leander did the production, so that's one way to to separate the two. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But I know what you mean about the other ones. I mean, if it's, it's full on, you're just like, no, it's, it's really hard to separate, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. You know? This is the Hivecast with Matt Pinfield. Let's talk about speaking to the Matt and Kim name. That really started from you guys just playing in, in your apartment, right? And then having it that why don't you tell the story? It was like your first gig, right? You were like, what are we gonna call ourselves? Yeah, well we Kim wanted to learn how to play drums. That was sort of the baseline of all of this. We had been together uh, in Wait, a couple Matt, just remember that. All of this is because of me. I do think all of this is because of you. Um, but we've been together for years, uh, romantically, and, um, and Kim wanted first. That yeah, first, yeah. right? And we we worked well together. We we met in art school, and afterwards we did some installations and galleries and things like that. And we just were two people who shared similar tastes and. 
worked well together and like spending time together and having sex together. And uh, just, you know, <laughs> hey, you know what? If you can get it all in the same package, how great! Right? <laughs> I mean, you guys, you know, you don't have to worry about any of that crap. Of, well, she left me or he left me because I was on the road. I'm on uh, the yeah. road too much. You're together all, which is great, for better or for worse, right? I mean, yeah. you know, and at least, you know. You know each other by the back of your hands. Yeah. Yeah. And, and so, and for us, it works. I don't suggest for every couple to spend every waking second together, but for whatever reason with us, we haven't killed each other yet. But have just gotten punched by kids. Oh, yeah. Of course. Yeah. And you know what? The <laughs> excuse once. is that you were making the video. Yeah. <laughs> but it really and was. And making him have... a man. Yes. <laughs> there you go. But I think we'll see was... what the jury says. But it's fun, though. I mean, was, this stuff has been fun. You guys always have a great time doing what you do. Yeah. Which is one of the things that's really special about you guys as an act. And, and it carries on. It goes from who you are as people onto what you guys do on stage, which I think is very cool. And I think that's important, and I'm glad you pick it up. But... Kim wanted to learn how to play drums. She was actually what, watching the drummer of the Dickies at a show. That was yeah, a, I went and saw yeah. the Dickies. And I was like, I leaned to my friend Jordan, who I was telling you about earlier. And I was like, Jordan, I'm going to learn how to play drums. And I, I think he laughed at me. So she got this hand-me-down drum set from a friend using a floor tom as a kick drum. Uh, I, I remember we ended up buying a snare drum from a homeless man who was selling on the side of the street. And it smelled Was he like... the guy from uh, from uh, Taxi Driver that was playing the drums on the street? <laughs> I think it was. Yeah, that up. was him. You ever see that's a great scene where like, De Niro's walking down the street and the guy's sitting there. He's obviously speeding his brains out. Either that or it's a hot summer night. He's like, Gene Krupa! And he starts playing the drum beat. It's just a classic 70s New York moment. On yeah, maybe, we should, yeah, maybe we should recreate that with yeah, Kim. Yeah. Um, <laughs> no, but it, remember it smelled like gasoline? We had to keep it in a plastic bag Dude. when when I wasn't playing it. Yeah, yeah, because if you didn't keep it in a plastic bag, like it smelled like your gas tank had a hole in it. And was it did up through your van, right? and we were practicing in our bedroom at the time. Yeah. Or she was trying to learn how to play in our bedroom, and yeah, it smelled heavily of gasoline, and we couldn't get the smell out of it. Uh, but so she was learning that. I had this keyboard I found. I came from a guitar and bass background of uh, playing Obviously in punk, punk bands band, and stuff, right? and. Uh, and I did a lot of, I did screaming style vocals, yeah. but I never did, uh, tried to sing, never tried to carry a melody. I mean, and uh, so I was like, oh, well, I'm going to try to learn how to play this, the synthesizer that I had found in my neighbor's garage and I had borrowed from him because I thought it looked cool. And so I was trying to figure that out. Kim was trying to figure that out. And, uh, and so we started sort of making a song together and we were talking to a friend about it. And he's like, so you have a band. Um, and this is Ian, who's in a, a band called Japanther, which is a, a tribute a lot to him for yeah. just, he's always been a positive energy in, in Brooklyn of telling people that they can do it, what, you yeah. know, whether... And he was, he gave me, he was the one who I got the hand-me-down drums from. And so oh, he, cool. he basically forced us to open a show at the basement of a small art gallery uh, in Queens. And we're like, we're not a band we don't have songs we don't even have a, a name or anything like that and uh he's, he didn't care so we wrote three songs still couldn't think of it we tried we banged our head against walls trying to think of a name and they just listed us as our names and um in the end that ended up making a lot of sense i think for us to be on first name basis with yeah. our audience yeah. like actually really defines us and is more than just a lazy name. Yeah. It works for you guys, and it has yeah. ever since. And the first time you hear it, you know, that's where I think she and him got the idea. We're going to call up M. Ward and Zoe and go, guys, come on. She and him, Matt and Kim, come on. What are you doing now? 
All right. <laughs> that's got a, yeah, that's got some rhyme to it. It does. It really does. If you do a double bill, that would be pretty interesting. <laughs> you know what I mean? It could be it could be interesting. But um well so what's going on? So it's been a bit since lightning, about a year or so, you know. So are you guys working on a new record at the time too? Are you thinking no, about I mean it? Lightning came out October, yeah. I think. Yeah, and uh, we've just yeah. been touring, and yeah. we're touring now. I thought why October. I think it was a year ago. Were you doing some of those? New we songs did a live? single. We did a single That's early cool. on, yeah. and I, yeah. you know, um, that was close to a year ago. The yeah. first single, the oh, Let's yeah. Go single. Yeah, right. when we released that, yeah, it was almost a year ago. That's right. Because it was I hearing it on the air and playing it. And yeah, and and we, you know, we found a lot of luck with that. We got more radio airplay than we had on any song previously even songs like daylight and and whatnot um that was great and and we made a video actually two different videos for that uh one was just like a placeholder video that had our friend playing basketball doing well he's like an amazing ball handler and you know even that has over a million views now but then we did a video for another song it's all right and um and again, another success. This was a video of us dancing in bed, very wearing very little clothes idea. again. Well, you know, yeah. it makes sense. You know, when you think about the John and Yoko, like, you know, the bed in and that yeah. whole thing that they had done when they were protesting the Vietnam War yeah. uh, up in Canada. It, like, it takes it to a new, a new level. It takes that idea, but dancing in bed also has a sexual kind of connotation to it yeah. as well, which is... And you Kim, know. you know, she's she's always been a great dancer, not yeah. me so much. And, uh, but so we did that and... and um, we did a tour for the album in the fall. Then yeah. we did a tour with uh, Passion. Passion Pit the spring. Well, then we just came for a while, right? I mean, well, great. we've sort of known them, and and we're friends with their manager. And I remember meeting years ago. Oh, They're playing a small party for Vice yeah. to like a whatever, and just meeting those guys then before the album came out and they had known about our band and just I was like hammered and I was like oh, you guys are you guys are gonna do really great was, yeah was, uh, uh, but you know we've all, we've all had those nights <laughs> like, hey, not you know not your my, my proudest moment but you know uh, excited for all their success and, and whatnot and and then we just were in Australia for a few weeks, and now we're back here, and we have just festivals from Bonnaroo did to Lollapalooza. Like, did you to, did a big day out over there? We did. It's actually a festival. Grooving the Moo. Gro- grooving the Moo? Yeah. Which is another... Like tr- M-O-O? Like a, like like a cow. Like a cow, yeah. yeah. Which is, it's, it's a traveling festival that hits all of the kind of non-major cities. And it was really nice because we've gone, we've, what, this is our fourth time going over. You know, we've done Sydney, Melbourne, Brisbane, like hit them up every time. And we did them this time too as sideshows. But like it was nice to go into these areas that. Canberra, Townsville. I mean, like names. Maitland, like places yeah. It's that, almost like Death Valley here, right? Like they're all, like, or it's a, Well, I feel it's, like it's, it's, it's kind of like. It's their version of a secondary or a third. Yes, yeah. Or a third market. And but they don't have they don't bands don't go to these places, and it's called Groove in the Moo because you're playing in cow pastures. Yeah. In yeah. most, of, but it was a great, great festival. No, um, it was a lot of fun. It was it was a really good time. And I, I feel was like there it a smell of, uh, of of cow crap here and there? Well, remember the one oh, place the the like the press area was in stables that still had horses in them. Yeah. Uh, so you got that special smell. Yeah. Oh yeah, I grew up in Vermont. I know yeah, all about the smell. Been around equestrian and, yeah. and farmland and. But so that brings us to now where we just have festivals all summer from Bonnaroo to Lollapalooza to um, Outside Lands, outside lands and Firefly and yeah. so many great festivals. And, and I'll be down at Firefly. I'll hang out with you guys. Really? Yeah. Awesome. We'll do some shooting down there while I'm out. Cool. Looking forward to that. Um, but, uh, but so, yeah, we were just uh, sort of 
Do you we don't have time to write. But you know, we, hey, you know, you're still working that record. The record's new enough. It just, yeah. You, know, you got a lot of time to play. And now that you've got four albums worth of material, you know, when you think we about it. We still don't even play all of our songs. We don't know how to play some of the songs that we've recorded. <laughs> hey, listen, you're not the first band who's <laughs> done that. I mean, it goes back to the Beatles, the Doors. They couldn't play every song they did, in, the, in the, especially at the rate they made records even back then, like two a year. I mean, you know, can Dylan remember all, all his songs? What's no. that? <laughs> hey, listen, do you know how many of the very famous like stadium rock stars out there use teleprompters? Yeah, they do. Cool. I mean, they do, you know? And especially when you write words and you write these really a lot of words. How do you remember yeah. everything? Like Spring like a Dylan. How many songs does Springsteen have? You yeah, know, you uh, know, and Bruce, you know, yeah. yeah he, how could he remember the lyrics to every one of those songs? No, they're I great think, songs. I think I was singing the wrong lyrics to "It's All Right" recently on stage. And then I was like, wait, maybe that's at, like going up onto our lyrics page for it and being yeah. like, oh yeah, that's not right. That's- <laughs> do you ever go to the lyrics page or to your Japanese release where the Japanese translate your lyrics? <laughs> we that should. That was the thing we used to love. We used to actually enjoy those. There's probably a website dedicated to it now because there's a website dedicated to everything. Yep. But you used to buy, like if you got a Japanese import of one of your favorite bands and you pulled it out and you looked at the way they translated the lyrics, it was amazing. <laughs> <laughs> Nothing to do with the real words. It was great. Uh, like, oh, that's fantastic. Actually, I haven't looked into that. I got to see if there's any yeah, uh, your translation. Japanese, oh, if you got Japanese releases, which I know you do. We have, yeah. You got to go and pull out the lyrics and see if the, if they've uh, how they've miscalculated it. <laughs> I like this. <laughs> it's fantastic. <laughs> but that's great. You're going to do all those festivals and that'll keep you guys extremely busy. But the thing is, we do want to work on music actually more and, and like our last album and the grand album we made 100% the two of us self recorded produced mixed everything and uh, I really just am open to I want to work collaborate with other people just get different I don't know so even so far I, I you know met with a couple people and, and talked about some stuff and, and played with some music and we just want to be making more music and different music and, and you just can't expect to be on tour for a year and a half, stop for six months and make like all of your best material then and then go back on tour for Yeah, that. yeah. I mean it takes time. So, like an artist, you're like, oh, would yeah. well, you you know, also need Pollock to... stop for this and then just be like, I'm gonna make a great painting right now. Yeah. Yeah, know? I mean you gotta it's gotta be natural. Yeah. And that's the thing. I mean you can't force those things. Now but speaking of duets, you did Soldier Boy and uh, Andrew WK. Tell me about that experience and how that came about him. Well, Converse uh, has been doing this three artists, uh, one song campaign and bringing artists from different genres and, and stuff. Gold and, and Julian, right? Yeah. yeah, and Pharrell, Pharrell, was, Pharrell, on was, on Pharrell was on there too. That was great. Yeah. So basically they said they wanted to do one with us, us being involved. They're like, who would you like to do this with? And uh, Converse should do it, especially since you are the bathroom doors. <laughs> <That's>, we're <laughs> the know? bathroom doors in that there studio. You know? <laughs> uh but we, you know, we were just trying to think, okay, who's from different genres, but still loves to like have a good time, loves to party, loves to like, you know, their music yeah, well, is well, about. WK is synonymous with. Oh yeah. So yeah. there you go. Um, and so like, oh, this is we're huge hip hop fans. We have you know hip hop, we have uh, rock, and we have us, which is some sort of you know. Who knows where we fall? We've called ourselves indie dance, I yeah. guess, but um. And we sort of produced this track and got, they sang on it. And I love how it came out. I had a great time doing it and working with other people. And it was, 
It's very not like us. We just haven't done much of it at all in our history. So, are you? So that's one of the things that was kind of the catalyst for what you're talking it, about doing on this next, maybe on this next record. Well, yeah, and maybe it's not a next record. Maybe it's just maybe a we maybe we make some songs. I just want the freedom of, of like just making music yeah. and, and not like having so many in that format. You could be that you'd record two new songs, like when you when and you, you did with "Let's Go" when you started out doing yeah. it that way. Yeah, and you know? and I feel like especially doing it that way, there's like. It allows us to keep playing shows, keep touring. Yeah. And there's not that pressure of like. Not pressure of a whole record and yeah. taking all that time off, but there's new material and something that's exciting yeah. and fresh in the. Not, not that it, the other stuff isn't fresh, but you know what I mean? Something yeah. for you. Yeah. Since you play but the song. No, every it's night. crazy. Like how you release an album and like a couple months later, people are already like, so when's the new one coming out? Well, that their fans are hungry and that's yeah. great. Which that's is great. great. But it's like, man, do you know like all the time we put into that? Like, yeah. Like, what do you mean? Give us another year and a half. Yeah, exactly. But it's interesting when, you know, when you say about fresh, you know, for the band and and playing new stuff. And we have older songs from years ago, like song like Yeah, Yeah, or um, even Silver Tiles, which we re-recorded for our Sidewalks album, but it's an early song. And, you know, we've been playing those songs for a number of years, but I think, you know, we've done a couple shows with Weezer and, uh, and they're still playing, you know, Sweater Song, Buddy Holly, and then... You go past, you go to Rolling Stones, and it's one of those things that, you know, people are like, oh, are you sick of playing this song? Like, I've only had to play this song for like five years. That's not long for people who've been, like the Stones, yeah. who've been playing same... Satisfaction. S- and, uh, 30 yeah. plus years, yeah. years you're still... Uh, and. But, you know, it's I agree with that Gene uh, Simmons philosophy that he said to me once. He goes, listen, if people want to hear rock and roll all night every time we play because they're paying their good money to come see us play. We'll do rock and roll all night every night. And, you know, I mean, that's a good philosophy to have. It's there. You're, you're there for your audience. I think so. And and I... I mean, every artist is different. There are some artists that won't play old songs because for some reason it brings back a bad memory or... It's not where they're at right now. You know, take a guy like Paul Weller, who's actually been on this podcast, who said to me, there are certain jam songs that he can't play because he can't get his head around the lyrics right now, like where they are in really? his life. And then there's others he can. So it depends. It's an all on individual. But I think, I think there is a, a responsibility. And I'll use an example because I, I just think like, because I love their music so much is the band MGMT. And I love those guys, great guys. And, and, Andrew and Ben, yeah. And... Uh, but, you know, they did Coachella one year and they didn't play kids, you know, and, and obviously they were sort of making a statement doing that. But so much of that audience, that song yeah. was so massive. It was. And it's been covered by like 20 people. Everybody, I, I'm trying to think of all the bands that did it. But yeah, tons of people have done covers of it. Yeah. I mean, yeah. even even Weezer, who we're talking yeah. about, has Weezer covered that. Did, it. did yeah. Weezer do it at the radio, the radio show we did? The Halloween show yeah. at uh, I mean, Hammerstein. Yeah, yeah, that was a really good what time. a great night that was. Yeah, <laughs> and but like you know, I, I feel like they have a a certain responsibility to play that for the fans who who want to see it. You know, and that's just, I mean that's my feeling, I, I guess. Uh, and I find that even a song that I've played a bunch of times, seeing an audience be excited and into it just I mean, gives it that new flame yeah. that that just. Yeah. It's tough to practice that. Yes. We're like, oh, do we have to practice this again? But because we're idiots, we forget how to play these songs really quickly. <laughs> you forget the words. Um, I want you to do it. I think I really do want you to check out the Japanese I know. lyrics and change them one night to the Japanese. This is the Japanese version of our song, <laughs> but it's actually English, but it's the wrong words. That could be kind of funny, actually. Yeah. Well, you know, 
you're like, I don't want to, you don't have to put that much thought into it. <laughs> well, I, I, I even want to just co- compile. Sometimes people uh, the way they tweet at us, the, you know, they're like a lyric or a line from a thing, and they're just, you know, that they like. And I'm like, there is almost no words that are right. But I don't care. Like, I've sing some songs. I've probably sang for years the wrong words. It's just what I hear. It's your interpretation as long as you're enjoying it. Yeah. That's what it's about. I and, agree with you. And, oh, wait, sure. there is a t- so we were listening to a Kanye West song, and... I'm singing along. I'm into it. I'm in, and then I turn to Matt, and it what is it? It says, "Tell Peter my mink is dragging on the floor." And so I turn to Matt, and I'm like, "Who do you think Peter is? Is that like his assistant? Like, <laughs> I'm like, no, Peter. People for the ethical treatment of animals. They lost that one. Totally oh man, I bet Chrissy Hine wants to take a good smack at <laughs> Kanye for that one. Yeah. You know, but anyway, I want to just say that it, it was great to have you here today. I mean, we can hang out all the time. Uh, we always have, you yeah, know, which is very cool. But uh, I'll definitely see you down at the Firefly Festival. I'm excited, Dover, yeah, and we'll hang out there. Do but, you think? Do you think I can get you to crowd surf? I would do that with you. <laughs> no way, <laughs> really? Yes. Would you yes. booty dance on top well, of crowd with Springsteen, me? who's a, quite a bit older than me at this point, can crowd surf at all of his shows? Then I have no excuse. And it's a I've, Jersey. Thing, I've too. heard he gets nuts. <laughs> Like, I have not witnessed a Bruce Springsteen show, but that he goes for three hours and he goes hard. He knows oh, yeah. he does. I mean, he puts on a show, you know, he plays, I guess whether there were 30 people or 30,000 with him, he's always been that way. It's been his performance ethic for years. But I was blown away at South by Southwest two years ago when I went down after I was hosting the show at the Woody's, like doing, doing the band introductions on the stages. And then I went down to Bruce's show and I've seen him hang upside down from his mic stand, which is nailed into the floor. But still, he does. He hangs upside down. It almost does like a pull up uh, with his, like, with, you know, like literally hangs upside really? down with his feet. And then when he went out and crowd surfed that year, I was talking, I'm like, what's, I, I don't know what's next. But that guy's in better shape than 90% of the musicians <laughs> out there. Maybe 95. Doesn't matter at what age. Yeah. I want to arm wrestle him. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Hey, I've seen those biceps. I've been punching the face with those arms. <laughs> I, I wouldn't want to mess with you on the wrong night. You know what I mean? Hey, yeah. if I'm PMSing, I I usually put up notes on the bus that yeah. say, guys, stay away from me. Yeah. And that's the right thing to do. Because yeah. at least you're warning them. You and I, I know warm. I'm being crazy. Yeah. So I'm just letting them know yeah. you might want to avoid me for the next yeah. few days. I think that's awesome. Yeah. Definitely well, want to avoid. I'll, I'll watch out for that when we get to Firefly Festival. <laughs> okay. I'll be looking at the bus. Guys, thanks for coming by today. Uh, yeah, thanks, thanks for having, for having us. us. Yeah. So great to have you right here on Hypecast. And how do people reach you on Twitter and Facebook and things? We're just at Matt and Kim on Twitter, backslash Matt and Kim on Facebook. And uh, yeah, Thank tell you. us what's up. Absolutely. <laughs> That's great. Matt and Kim on the Hypecast. And thanks so much for listening today. Thanks for coming by. It's great to have you. This has been the Hivecast with Matt Pinfield. For all things music, news, interviews, live events, and more, go to mtvhive.com.